This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Week 10 of the NFL season, that means it's another edition of one-on-one's NFL Friday. We were off last week, but now we're back in full swing. I'm Charlie Misano alongside Jackson Heil, Emmanuel Barbari, John DeBarro doing the updates, Evan Janikin, our producer in the back. We got some shadows today, Sloan Covington and Cole Janes Ostrom. We got a full house, guys. What's going on? Mike wasn't on, sorry. Uh, happy to be back, man. I mean, Terrible we, we start took to the off show, last Jackson. week. Yeah, blame me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, you got to do better of turning my mic on. Yeah, Turn I'm, my I'm mic on. Oh, oh, we're throwing the producer under the bus right <laughs> off the bat. What an amazing start to the show. But, it, you know, it, it's that type of show. The Figure Jets lose to the Dolphins. Things need to go down on this show that just don't normally happen because things are happening in New York football that just don't normally happen. We'll, get, we'll definitely get into the state of New York football in our Jets and Giants combined segment because they're playing each other this week. First time in four years. Toilet bowl. The last time they played each other, the Jets won in walk-off fashion, courtesy of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brandon Marshall, and that gang. That that team is well in the rearview mirror. This this game is like a midlife crisis waiting to happen for both teams. That that that's where I'm at because both these teams are an absolute atrocity, particularly the Jets. At least the Giants like seem to have a sort of direction, and I know we'll get more into this later. But what a disaster the Jets are. You know the franchise is in disarray when you're referring to that Ryan Fitzpatrick game where the Jets beat the Giants as like the glory days. I, I long for those days where the Jets were in position to make the playoffs. Of course, they coughed it up because the Jets are the Jets, but those were the glory days. No, the real glory days, Mark Sanchez, oh, yes. back-to-back AFC title games. Yeah, well, those are the glory, glory days. But those for were, our childhood, Those feel like an eternity ago, unfortunately. Eric Decker catching a back corner pass against the Patriots. Oh, that was beauty. Setting up the Jets at 10-5 and five for a trip to Buffalo until Rex Ryan spit in their face. So, Ken- Kembrell Tompkins dropping a wide-open touchdown down the sideline to win. Oh. We have plenty of this to come. But first, Let's just put it that way. We got to talk about mitigating depression right now. We oh, got to talk about the game that happened last night. The surprising five and four Oakland Raiders beat the Chargers 26 26 to twenty four. I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted that the Raiders would be. They're not. They're not a good football team. They're not a bad football team. They're right. They're right around almost five hundred five and four. But Derek Carr played pretty well last night. Two hundred eighteen yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. Josh Jacobs. Has been a stud all year. I'm again. I'm really surprised that John Gruden has been able to turn this thing around. And it looks like everyone on the Raiders is like having a really fun time playing the game of football. You know what's interesting is that we talked so much about how John Gruden and that contract would be a disaster, and Gruden has everyone buying in right now. And I think that was pretty evident, honestly, in Hard Knocks, is that. Everyone is bought into that culture there, and getting rid of Antonio Brown after all that mess happened in the offseason right before week one was the best thing that could have happened to the Raiders. And look, they bought in for sure. I mean, the Chargers, don't get me wrong, I mean, they're 4-6, and six, but they're one of the more talented teams in the AFC right injuries. now. They've had a ton of injuries, correct, but I mean, their pass rush of Max Crosby last night and Clellan Farrell was unbelievable. For Oakland, I mean, Phillip Rivers had no time whatsoever. You go back to the last possession, Chargers have three timeouts on their own 30-yard line, and Rivers goes 0-4 in the drive, and they lose the game because there was so much pressure on him. 
time in and time out. And he was missing guys all over the field, and he deserves some blame for that. But, man, Gruden has these guys buying in on both sides of the ball. It's been very impressive to watch after what was an ugly year one for John Gruden has turned into a surprising success in year two. And the Chargers went into this season with very high hopes, especially after their playoff run last year. So this... This entire season has come as a surprise, and the Raiders, on the other hand, we were expecting absolute disaster. Uh, as Jackson mentioned, when the entire Antonio Brown thing went down, you looked at that roster, you looked at that team, you looked at what they were coming off of and thought that there was no way in hell they'd be a contender. And I think I saw a tweet last night that said Giants fans should look at the Raiders as like a model of hope because it, it doesn't seem New York fans are taking a rebuild well and sometimes it just takes time. Uh, Gruden caught so much scrutiny last year for everything that happened and then entering this year you thought there would be no improvement after everything that went down, all the circus that was surrounding the Raiders organization but slowly he's just built a team that's bought into a singular goal and lo and behold they are in playoff contention in the AFC and the real losers in all of this has got to be the Oakland fans I mean they finally have a, a team that looks like they have something really good in Oakland brewing for this team and they're moving next year to Las Vegas what a disgrace what, what an absolute disgrace that's probably the best fan base in all football yeah and honestly, I don't move. think it's even that close. They got to move, Dude, though. I, I, why are you going to send to Vegas? Build them a new stadium or something. It's fine, but you're because not getting you one the... in Oakland. But they should. They probably should, but if you're not going to get one, you have to relocate because where they play right now is an utter catastrophe. That is not a football but stadium. it doesn't matter. I mean, like, you look at the new teams that moved to L.A. The Rams don't get much showing. The Chargers definitely The Chargers don't. get the opposite of showing. I mean, you go back to... What was it the Sunday night game with Against L.A. Pittsburgh. and Pittsburgh? I know John, as a Steelers fan, will be able to attest this. That was a Steelers home game, without a doubt. And you move the Raiders to Vegas, yeah, they're going to have more of a fan base than those other teams because the Raiders, as an organization, are a much more popular organization than the other two that I just mentioned. But it's an absolute catastrophe that the Davises were able to move the Raiders out of Oakland because it's the best fan base in the entire NFL. P people just don't really care about football that much out there. You need a really strategic uh, location completely. To, to get things working and rolling in your favor there. Sure, Oakland probably has a niche, but you look at the other cases of teams moving out west, what is there to show for? You're talking about good football teams that just don't have any intrigue surrounding their organization. So why does it really matter? Just field a good football team. Maybe you'll develop a fan base there. But right now it's not working. You you play in a dump. There is no appeal to where the Oakland Raiders play. So move them. If Get you're them saying out of there. that there's no appeal, if you're saying that there's no appeal to football in in LA, I agree with you. But there's definitely an appeal in Oakland. I mean, look at the tradition they have. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if there is appeal, but you're going to play in that stadium and really just embarrass yourselves on a weekly basis with where you play. Just get out of there. It, it, it It's time for but he, change. All right, here's the thing. Are, are they really embarrassing themselves every week with where they play? Because they don't play in a football stadium. The Black Hole is one of the most notable fan attractions in all of sports. And the athletics are not there. The dirt is gone. So that's, that's not Great. there. So let's just line people up in my backyard, get 40,000 people in my backyard, and it's a good football place to play. What are as you long saying? as people are there and they're a passionate fan base, you know, plop them in my pool. Have them play pool football. It, I don't it, know what it, he's talking it, about. You have gone off the rails. You are acting like a fan base is all that matters when it's a logistical problem to have them play in that facility. You need a mute button right now. <laughs> no, I don't. 
No, I don't. There's a reason why they're moving. You just got to accept it. We're talking about how the Raiders are building a nice foundation here, and you're like, oh, the black hole, the black hole. If, if we were on Around the Horn, you would have been muted for a good 20 seconds. We're not on Around the Horn. would be in about negative 10 points. We don't have a mute button here, so you, you can slow down. Regardless Evan, can of the you fact, mute him, please? Regardless of the fact, the Raiders won this game, the Chargers lost this game, and they've sit at 4-6, and six, not looking good in the playoff uh, push. Phillip Rivers... A really bad game last night. Three picks. He did throw two touchdowns. I mean, there's got to be a question now for the Chargers. What do they do with Phillip Rivers going into next year and going into the future? Because look at the look at the guys yeah. in his class. It, Eli Manning getting benched for Daniel Jones. Ben Roethlisberger probably in one more good year. There's it's the end, it's the light at the end of the tunnel for Phillip Rivers. I'm not giving up on Rivers yet, but I I do think that we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I agree with that. I mean, I mentioned it before. You look at that last drive where. First and 10 from the 30-yard line, three timeouts. I believe it's 37 seconds left or something like that. And he goes 0 for 4, couldn't hit any receivers downfield. And not only was he not hitting receivers, completely inaccurate too. And listen, I get he was under duress all night, and I get that Oakland's pressure was a difference maker, but if you're Phillip Rivers, you have to be able to make big-time throws in those spots, especially when your offense needs it. And he wasn't able to do that last night. And he's got weapons too. I was surprised especially towards the end of the game, that they weren't able to use Eckler out of the backfield as more of a safety option, especially when you have three timeouts in that scenario. You can't be looking to try to throw the ball downfield every single play. Yes, you obviously need to pick up yards, but if you have three timeouts and you're facing third and ten, Eckler's your safety blanket for a reason, and and they didn't use him in that regard pretty much the entire second half, it felt like to me. It has been the case with Rivers for a while. He, he, he stat pads, doesn't make big throws when they need him to, and now it's coming to a head this year. So, yeah, I really have nothing else to add other than the Chargers have a quarterback situation. And, look, maybe they go trade for Eli Manning, something like that. But Phillip Rivers isn't the answer right now. I mean, there, there are plenty of good quarterbacks in the draft that they can look at, like a Justin Herbert who may not be in the top ten. Uh, who knows? Maybe this team might might even be in the top ten of the draft. The the problem is that this Chargers team is too good to not win seven or eight games this year. Even I'm with I'm faulting at. the injuries here, honestly. I they, mean, they are, but they're going to get healthy at some point. And l- listen, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. The time they're healthy. But, but my point is more that like even with the injuries, this team is talented enough to win seven or eight games, and they're in a position where with the schedule going down the stretch, they're going to be able to do that. So go get a competent quarterback. Go get in the playoff race. As Evan told me in the back, after their bye next week, Derwin James will but will be returning for this team, so their defense gets a list. But how, a is it, there. how is it outlandish to replace Phillip Rivers? You're just laughing at the notion. When did I ever say it was outlandish? I never said it was outlandish. I said Rivers is getting towards the end of the tunnel, but I'm not yanking him yet. Why not? I, I think a lot of last night was on the offensive line because they made Rivers uncomfortable, and when you make a quarterback of – that age, uncomfortable in the pocket, he's going to struggle. And listen, he needs to make better throws for sure. I'm not disagreeing with you there, but I'm not at a point where I'm going to give up on Phillip Rivers because this is a guy who's a gamer when he's on. And when he has protection, he's one of the best in the game still, in my opinion. He hasn't won anything, though, so I'm not going to give him that much of a benefit of a doubt. What do you care about what he did in the past? He's still because a gamer. that's a massive track record. It, it, it's an indicator of what's to come. He hasn't won anything. He's got a track record of being a damn good quarterback. A lot of arguing today. I mean, maybe the arguing won't 
be happening when we talk about the Jets and Giants. I think we'll all be in pretty and I'm in unison in that it, segment. It's it's mutually assured destruction against the Jets and Giants. That, that I will tell you that. But m- me and Amen are on different wavelengths right now. That's I don't for know. Sure. I've never seen this type of bickering from you two right now. <laughs> oh, it, it, happens. It, it happens day in and day out. Regardless, let's go to John for our first fantasy hit, and then we'll talk about more league news after that. So, John, who are you starting this week? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Believe it or not, Jameis Winston is 7th in the league in passing yards and 6th in touchdown passes. That kind of production and a strong receiving core makes Winston a solid fantasy starter despite his 16 turnovers. Winston should be better than usual this week against an Arizona Cardinals defense that ranks dead last in the league in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks and just allowed Jimmy Garoppolo his best performance of 2019. Another player I like in Tampa Bay is running back Ronald Jones. Jones finally earned the starting job for the Bucks and handled a starter's workload last week in Seattle, where he turned 18 carries and two receptions into a 16-point outing. With that kind of volume, Jones should be in your lineup this week and beyond. Buffalo receiver John Brown hasn't eclipsed 20 fantasy points since week one, but steady attention from Josh Allen has made Brown a pretty solid option for most of the season. Brown should have an easier time this week taking the top off a thin brown secondary that turned in a questionable performance last week in Denver. And those are some guys that should be in your lineups for this week. Thank you, John. We'll bring you back on after you talk about the latest NFL news to talk about who you should sit. But first, the biggest news of the week has to be Patrick Mahomes. He's finally back after injuring himself on Thursday Night Football against the Broncos, and he's starting this week against the Titans. So, guys... Are the Chiefs back? I mean, they were never not in play um, playoff contention, but are they back in the driver's seat for Super Bowl contention against the Pats in the AFC? I, I would say so. Um, I mean, you look in the AFC, I think there's a clear-cut top three in Patriots New England, won. Baltimore, and Kansas City. And te- the Texans are up there, too, I think, with yeah, the play of Deshaun Watson. Correct. And, I mean, you look at the Chiefs with Mahomes. I mean, they've looked unstoppable on offense. I mean... I go back to that second quarter against the Raiders in, what was it, week two or week three, where they struggled in the first quarter, and then they go out and score four touchdowns. That, I mean, that, that is what this offense can do, especially when they have all their weapons, and all their weapons are pretty much healthy now. I mean, Damian Williams has been great in the backfield. McCoy's a nice secondary option. Obviously, you got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey back, so many options otherwise, including Sammy Watkins. So I, I think that with Mahomes back, I would say they're the favorites in the AFC. Honestly, I know they've had some tough losses, but it'll take favorites. them a little while to get I, I think they're the favorites in the AFC. Uh, what have they proved as opposed to New England that makes them the favorites? That they have probably the best offense in the NFL when Mahomes is healthy. But that doesn't make them favorites over a team that's been almost an unstoppable force the entire year. And I was about to come out and say, an unst- look. An unstoppable force that hasn't played anyone. And just got their doors blown off in Baltimore last week. No, weekend. I agree. But we're not going to base it off a of one-game sample size of New England not coming to play against Baltimore. If that was a playoff scenario, I doubt that would have transpired. And they're going to learn from that mistake, rest assured. They will. Bill Belichick. And aside from that, they hadn't lost. Their defense is phenomenal. So if there's anyone who could stop that KC offense, which which you seem to believe You're right. could take no, them all I, the way, I, I think it's New England. Listen, I... I there's a good argument to make that New England is the favorites out of the AFC, but I'm also looking at this New England team thinking offensively they have shown struggles when Brady's been under pressure, and 
Also, you look at them last week. I mean, it's the first game really that they played all year against a team of any relevance other than the Bills, who also gave Brady a lot of trouble. And they were they looked bad. I mean, they looked legitimately bad. Offensively, couldn't get anything going. The Edelman fumble killed them in the second half, and the Ravens' secondary really locked down and didn't give New England's receivers much space. Brady was under pressure at times during the second half. He looked like a disaster, too, at times. So I I would say that Kansas City is the favorites in the AFC, but, man, Baltimore's still right behind with Lamar Jackson. I mean, I'd say he's the front-runner for the MVP right now. Really? I absolutely would. I I, absolutely would. i got to say, Russell Wilson, for me, is the MVP. He's been terrific. He's a clear clear MVP favorite right now. It just shows you got to divide the MVP, AFC, NFC. (laughs) I I, I think NFL needs to come around to that because there are too many good candidates here and year out. people forget about Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's not getting enough love in the MVP uh, conversation. We're never going to see a running back win the MVP. And, Jackson, I just think it – it underscores. Look, when the Patriots come back to play Baltimore, come playoff time, I think it'll be they're a totally just going to have story, a chip yeah. on it their shoulder. They're probably going to stifle Lamar Jackson. It's just the Patriots' way. They'll find a way to get back there and do their job. And I just think it goes without saying. Like, sure, they didn't play good teams, but this defense has allowed 98 points in nine games. It, it, it is I, next level based on what the Patriots have had in the past. Can't disagree with that. And. I will withhold my judgment on New England until they play some real teams because we'll see. Obviously, Baltimore kind of rung the bell a little bit, but you got the Eagles and Cowboys and Texans and then Chiefs over the next four weeks. So this is is a tough stretch for New England. I think we're going to find out a lot about New England, and I I really want to find out about them offensively because that that is my concern with the Pats this year is that when you don't put them in scenarios where they can't run the ball – the Pats run into trouble. And you got three or four teams ahead of you who are going to make you uncomfortable, and especially if they fall behind early, the Pats are going to be forced to put the ball in Brady's hands. And even as good as Brady is and as good as he's been in his career, when he's forced to throw the ball a ton, that's when the Pats run into trouble. And I think it's going to be a real test over these next four weeks to see how they handle it. Two more stories, and then we'll get into the biggest story in New York, the toilet bowl, Jets and Giants, Giants game. But first, sticking with the AFC, I mean, the Cleveland Browns playing the Buffalo Bills this week, but that's not the story of the week for them. It's that a, there's a report out there that head coach Freddie Kitchens may not make it to the rest of the season as the man in charge there. I personally don't think he should be fired halfway through the year. A Hugh, Jackson, Hugh Jackson last year was fired halfway through the year, and it got the team to, I don't know, be resurrected a little bit. But this, I think, is just a completely different situation. I think you got to let Freddie Kitchens see. He's a, it's a first-year head coach. Let him work out his kinks a little bit, and if he still has a bad year, then you pull the plug and get someone else next year. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of over Freddie Kitchens. I mean, you look at the performance last week against Denver, and this is a team that looks like they have not bought into anything he's saying. After It looked like the complete opposite after Hugh Jackson got fired, which is so interesting to me because, to me, what last year shows for Cleveland is how terrible of a coach Hugh Jackson was. The, the guy just can't do it in this league as a head coach. And Freddie Kitchen comes in as the offensive coordinator, obviously, with Greg Williams taking over it. And he, Greg he was Williams the interim, interim yeah. right? So Williams did a phenomenal that, job. He did. He did do a great job. And it was the right move not to hire Williams. I didn't agree with the hiring of Kitchens at the time. I thought they should have expanded that search. But I, I am off the Kitchens train. I mean, you, you just see what has happened to the Browns offensively this year. And the further away that Baker Mayfield gets from Lincoln Riley, the worse he's getting. 
And I, I think that a change, whether it's middle of the year, I think they should wait till after the year, kind of let things play out and see if Kitchens can kind of save things and show something over the last few weeks of this season. But I, I'm off the Freddie Kitchens train, and I have been kind of since week two of this year. I agree, give him until the end of the year. Yeah. Because this has been pretty much a disaster this entire year, but I don't see any reason to pull the plug right now. It might just come down to the fact that this team has little to no motivation, and that starts and ends with the head coach and not whipping them into shape because Baker Mayfield, as you mentioned, has regressed. You haven't gotten anything out of Odell Beckham Jr. All these parts that were glamorous entering the year have really not come to fruition, and we knew there would be problems there just based on the personalities you have and getting them to gel and to all be together and all produce together. So, Yeah, it is easy to point at the head coach, but I'd give him until the end of the year. If things still look the same, if things still are as embarrassing, I think there's no reason you don't make a coaching change because I think the Kitchens hire was almost like a flyer to begin with because you were hiring from within rather than hiring from the outside, and you just wanted to see if that success from last year would boil over. But maybe even Greg Williams was a better head coaching candidate in the offseason. Just want to quickly add there, I I, I do kind of agree that firing him midseason would be would be not the right move specifically because it just shows that this Browns organization just doesn't get it. Because, I mean, you look at all the incompetency they've had over really since 2000, honestly. It's been a disaster. And, I mean, if you fire a head coach mid-year after all that's happened this year with Baker and all the conversations about him and the big personalities not being able to mesh, I think it sends a bad message throughout the organization that, we really have no freaking clue what we're doing. And that's where that's kind of where I am yeah. at with the Browns. I mean, they get some help. Kareem Hunt comes back from suspension. We'll see how they Pinch integrate. We'll see how they use him, yeah. Yeah, it'll, we'll see how they integrate him in the offense, especially since they have Nick Chubb. And who knows? You talk about Lincoln Riley. Maybe they in the offseason, they throw a ton of money at him and be like, hey, Baker performed the best when you were with him, and maybe they can convince him to leave Oklahoma. I'm not sure if it'll work. I mean, other teams have tried. Hasn't worked. But yeah, it would be I an mean, interesting. It would be an interesting story if he went to the Browns. It'd be a tough sell to get Lincoln Riley to go to Cleveland. I mean, the only thing, really, that he has is that he played with Baker Mayfield, and that that's kind of where the selling point would have to be. But I see Lincoln Riley waiting out for a better job than that somewhere out west, somewhere with a really good quarterback. Even though Baker may be that at some point, but I don't think that he's going to end up there. And then this, the last story we want to talk about, probably the game of the week. The undefeated San Francisco 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football should be a really exciting game. I mean, Russell Wilson, we talked about it, potential MVP candidate, and Jimmy Garoppolo and that suffocating 49ers defense um, will be a really good test for both teams. I want to talk about the big picture, though. Who do you think between those teams has the best chance to win the division? I personally think it's the 49ers. I would say 49ers for sure. Um my big thing with the 49ers is that I think Kyle Shanahan might be the best coach in the NFL right now. Um, you look at what he's been able to do with limited talent, and it's so impressive on both sides of the ball. I mean, defensively, they arguably have the best pass rush in terms of talent in the NFL with Bosa and DeForest Buckner and plenty of others. D. Ford as well in there. They have so many guys, and they bring so many different creative packages at you that it causes so much trouble for opposing quarterbacks. And I really like what they're able to do offensively because they're not over-reliant on one piece. They can use the run. Garoppolo can step back and throw it deep. He hasn't had to yet, but I think they have confidence, and I think that part of the reason that I'm so big on San Francisco is they really haven't shown that they had 
had to use big plays in their playbook, which is going to be big going forward because a lot of teams haven't seen the looks that Shanahan is going to use when they need big plays. So I, I really like where San Francisco is at. They've been so impressive this year on both sides of the ball. And offensively, Kyle Shanahan may be the best offensive mind in the game right now. I agree with you. I, I love what I've seen from San Francisco all year long. And you mentioned the challenge that they'll have upcoming this weekend, but they almost have two games in hand on the loss side over Seattle. If they're able to win, that puts them well on their way. They're probably It's like an unofficial clinch this weekend if they're able to win that game. And then the rest of the way, you do have a couple tough games on hand. You have the Packers, you have the Ravens, you have the Saints. Now, you look at that schedule and you may think, yeah, that's a window for Seattle to overcome it. But I like the cushion they've built themselves. I think if Seattle wins this weekend, that division is completely up for grabs with the mm -hmm. schedule the 49ers have because they're not going to stay undefeated for long. But right now, I like the 49ers, and there's no indication that they should lose this game this weekend, especially since they're not in Seattle. So I think all three of us think that the 49ers are going to win the division, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I have the 49ers. So then, yeah. Um, I will say Seattle might be the second-best team in the NFC, though. They're, they're excellent. Then in terms of their ceiling, I don't know. Is this team Super Bowl caliber? Don't sleep on New Orleans, by the way. No, that, that's true. No that's true. On New Orleans. Might be no the best team in the league. Yeah. Plus Breeze now. Uh, he's mm -hmm. back in the fold, and you're not dealing with kind of just getting by that's without fair. your leader and your starting quarterback. New Orleans was so close last year, too. I think, I think they have I, a chip on their shoulder. First week of the season, I predicted the Super Bowl would be Pats and and, uh, and New Orleans. I wanted to see it for years, and we've been robbed of it. We got robbed of it last year. We want Breeze Brady. We want to see it. We want to see it happen. We want to see that clash of the Titans, the two remaining aging quarterbacks that are legends in the league. So... I'd love to see it again. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I wouldn't sleep on New Orleans just because, I mean, there were so many good options in this NFC when you look up and down the list, and I think the Super Bowl could very well come out of the NFC. You're absolutely right. Uh, I, I just think Seattle with Russell Wilson is a huge difference maker because, as Charlie mentioned, he's Charlie's MVP front runner right now. I think he's second to Lamar Jackson, but it's pretty close there. And what Seattle's defense has been able to do also, with all the absences they've had over the past few years after losing essentially the Legion of Boom and being able to replenish that, the Seahawks organization deserves a ton of credit for being able to rebound after we thought their window had closed. And their window is right back open, and they have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL to go with it. So I, I would not sleep on Seattle. It's a great point bringing up New Orleans, too, with them getting Breeze back last week. It's the NFC is kind of wide open too. I mean, like it's wide open on pretty much both Green sides. Green Bay's been amazing. Yeah, like there are a lot of great options out of this NFC, and that discounts what we were just talking about—that Chiefs, Pats, Ravens battle. So there are just a lot of top teams, and that's what you want for football because I think there has been some lack of intrigue in this regular season in terms of just those box office games where yeah. you look at and you're like, "Wow, what do we just witness?" Is a Super Bowl preview. But come postseason time, I think it's going to be as wide open as it's ever been, even though you have a Pats team that's seemingly been untouchable. So this Monday night game could be really interesting in terms of future implications. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm pretty sure all football fans are looking forward to that Monday night game. But a game that not many people are looking forward to, the Jets and Giants game on Sunday. Uh, we'll talk more into that after John DeBarra's fantasy hit. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Kirk Cousins has had an up-and-down season thus far, making him difficult to trust on a weekly basis. His three touchdowns last week in Kansas City helped him overcome an otherwise shaky performance 
where he only completed 50% of his passes for only 220 yards. The Vikings are on the road again this week against Dallas, where Cousins will face the 7th best defense against fantasy quarterbacks. With Adam Thielen officially out another week, Cousins becomes even more difficult to trust. Joe Mixon is feeling the effects of the Bengals' disaster of a season and running behind what may be the worst offensive line in football. Despite a heavy workload week to week, Mixon hasn't eclipsed a century mark all season, making his weekly fantasy output entirely dependent on scoring touchdowns. Don't expect a touchdown this week against Baltimore's second-best run defense. And you may have spent a high, drift on, high draft pick on Juju Smith-Schuster, but it may finally be time to leave him on your bench, at least for this week against a better-than-average Rams pass defense. Mason Rudolph doesn't look downfield to make Juju a reliable option. Juju's turned in less than five catches in half of his games, but better times may be ahead. He faces a much easier defenses for the rest of the season after this week, but sit him this week against the Rams. And those are some guys to leave on the bench this week. John, quick question for you. I know you're a Steelers fan. Sure. Four and four. Turn the things around a little bit. I mean, they looked like a complete disaster early on in the year, but now what, what's your impressions of this team? Yeah, I think it's a testament to Mike Tomlin, who's taken a lot of heat the last few years for having really talented teams but not really doing anything once it comes playoff time, falling apart later in the season. But I think making the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick has made really an immeasurable impact on their defense. And, yeah, it's kind of the time of the season where you might see them starting to stack wins. The schedule gets really easy after this week against uh, L.A., so, uh, you know, if they could be in the hunt towards the end of the season, I think that's a win for the Steelers. But, uh, yeah, you have to be impressed uh, with their resolve, dealing with all the drama and the injuries that they have. And uh, it's, been, it's been a fun season. Question for everyone here. A lot of noise after the Redskins fired Jay Gruden. Is Mike Tomlin going to be the next head coach of the Redskins? <laughs> that, was, that was the rumor. What? What? <laughs> that came out of left field. Yeah, Snyder was interested in him. Yeah, he, I think he wow. just put out that he was interested in them, even though Mike and Tomlin didn't have a say at, in at that. At a point in the very beginning of the season, it looked like Mike Tomlin might part ways with the Steelers. So hey, they said m maybe he gets a, a bigger role as head coach and a player developer, player personnel uh, operator in Washington. Know. Yeah, Tom, Tomlin's a stealer it. until he wants out, and I don't. I don't see him leaving after this year, especially after they kind of figured out and Big Ben coming back next year. It's just not a scenario I can it, see coming it, to fruition. If there's any time for him to go, though, it's now. It, <laughs> a lot has gone wrong this year, sure. so it, it, I feel like that's been a while coming. So I wouldn't be shocked. While I would have been shocked a couple of years ago if that would have mm -hmm. were to happen, I wouldn't be shocked this offseason. I'd be shocked. Tom was the only third Steelers coach since like the Chuck Knowles yeah. days of the 70s and 80s. I think he'll be there as Every long organization as he wants. longs for that stability. That's a good segue for you, Charlie. It is a good segue because now we're going to talk about teams that have no direction whatsoever, and that's the Jets and Giants. So, first, let's let's talk about the Jets. Instead of the MetLife Bowl, it's called the Toilet Bowl after these two teams coming into the game. Jets 1-7, coming off probably one of the worst losses in franchise history. I talk more about it in my Jets report for the week. Last week, I came out and predicted that the Adam Gase-led Jets would fall to the worst team in football, the Miami Dolphins. Well, I was unfortunately right. After what is considered one of, if not, the worst losses in franchise history, a new question needs to be asked. Is Gang Green the new worst team in football? The defeat at the hands of the Finns should be shocking, but really after watching the team all season, it seemed inevitable. 
Sam Darnold had trouble moving the ball all afternoon, and he threw another ill-advised interception. The defense made Ryan Fitzpatrick look like an MVP candidate, throwing for almost 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. To top off the lousy performance, one player will be remembered most from the game. Late in the fourth quarter, Jonathan Harrison snapped the ball without Darnold knowing, and the second-year QB watched the ball sail past the end zone for a safety. Gase is firmly on the hot seat and had little to no words following the team's despicable loss. We're one and seven. I mean, everybody feel like crap, you know. And you don't put in all this time and effort to come out here and lose. Up next, the Jets face none other than the Giants. Big Blue is in a rut themselves, sitting at two and seven on the season and have one of the worst defenses in the league. Donald and company will try to take advantage of this weakness. However, the Jets should make sure to look in the mirror themselves. Gang Green's defense is nothing to brag about either, which gives rookie QB Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley an opportunity to make big plays. Based on how bad both teams' defenses are, I could see this being a high-scoring affair. Considering the Jets are in a much worse situation than the Giants, although not by much, I believe they will once again lose this week. Give me the Giants 35-28, as the now 1-8 Jets will be forced to watch the Empire State Building light up in blue and gain the title as true losers in New York. Covering the... I'm Charlie Misano, WFUV Sports. And the Jets may be 1-7, the Giants right behind them, only 2-7, so we're going to discuss them as well since they play each other. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley going to be the headline story of the Giants this week. Maybe they put up some really big numbers against the terrible Jets defense. Brianna Leverty, our Giants reporter, has more on that in her report of the week. The New York Giants are a bad football team, plain and simple. Despite all of the changes that the front office made in preparation for the season, the G-men are arguably in a worse situation than last year. The only small comfort for fans is that the organization seems to be 100% behind rookie Daniel Jones, which at least gives them someone to build around going forward. But for the time being, Big Blue is a big disappointment. The poor performances can't even be blamed on the slew of injuries that have plagued the team this year. Last week against the Cowboys, the offense was almost completely intact, with Saquon Barkley, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram all playing and completely healthy. But even with a relatively healthy squad, Big Blue lost too many turnovers, failed to convert in the red zone, left Dallas receivers wide open, and allowed Ezekiel Elliott to break what should have been easy tackles. The players are at a loss for how to proceed, including team captain Saquon Barkley. I mean, if I had an answer, uh, I think I'll be able to tell you guys, and I think we would know at the team. Um, but hey, um, things not going our way right now can't just cry about it. Now, without Evan Ingram, who's dealing with a midfoot sprain, and Sterling Shepard, there's no reason to think Big Blue will perform any better against their MetLife rival, the New York Jets. The Jets may have a worse record than the Giants, but Sam Darnold has shown flashes of brilliance and will likely take advantage of the terrible Giants secondary. Ultimately, the most interesting part of Sunday's game will be how the two young quarterbacks match up against one another. Blame it on the curse of the black cat all you want, but the Giants are just not a well-coached or well-managed team. And if they lose Sunday, it'll be a long two weeks to think about the future of the organization. 
I have the Jets just scraping by Big Blue, 28-24. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. So there you have it, two reports of the week, Jets and Giants playing each other in probably one of the least anticipated Jets-Giants game I've ever uh, remembered in my lifetime. I mean, I, I'm not looking forward to this game whatsoever. Here's my thing. These teams both suck, and the ticket prices are still enormous. Yeah. They are enormous. I was looking today, and we're talking hundreds of dollars. You going to, to the game? No, 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 no. People want to go, though. Even if they're terrible, there's a reason why they're high because you know that stadium's going to be full. Yeah, it, I can't see it. They dude. fill it's it on a be... given week for Jets and Giants. You combine the fan bases, it's going to be a full house. It's going to be freezing. You have three combined wins in that stadium between these two football teams. But hey, at least they have the disguised seats that make it look like it's full on oh, TV. It, at least they created that in that, Fraudulent. in that in that garage that they built a couple of years ago. And you know, before we continue about that, I mean, all these teams coming out with. Beautiful new stadiums, and the MetLife is like relatively new, and it looks like it looks. These like are terrible. two New York like football franchises, and that's what you came up with. You had a bunch of room to build that stadium. We built a garage with some seats that disguises seats, even when it's not sold out. It's a fraudulent building. Hey, it is terrible. But at least we have the indoor amusement park opening outside of it. Exactly. Oh, I actually want to go to that mall. It Dude, looks pretty it looks sick. sick. What, what was the it? American Dream Mall right across the street? Right before the Pats game, we were driving by it, and. That place looks sick. I didn't know. I thought they kind of abandoned that project of it, but it actually looks pretty dope. The only thing that's that's old there that needs to be moved is the IZOD Center. Oh, knock yeah. that thing down. Well, they, right yesterday. now they rent it out to people who do concerts, and they like who wants to do a concert there? Like when Justin Timberlake, for example, he performed at MetLife like two summers ago. He rented out the IZOD Center, a hundred thousand dollars a day, a day. Just really? to practice. It's gotten to the point where I'd it's rather a, it's a gold mine, a gold gold mine, whatever you call it. I'd rather be wow. at the Giants facility their training facility, and see that in the MetLife. It, it is more <laughs> optically pleasing than stepping foot inside that stadium. And I would never, ever step foot inside that stadium this weekend to watch these two crappy football teams battle it out in freezing cold weather. I agree it's going to be full. Like, I, I I will tell you, Jackson, it will be full this weekend. I don't know, man. The I fans really will don't. come out. I don't know. There are some bragging rights on the line. Twitter is going to be a cesspool. I'm not looking forward to this game for that reason because people are just going to overreact and Giants fans are going to demean Jets fans when their organization isn't in any better of condition than the Jets. So that's what I'm not looking forward to about this game. But in terms of it meaning something, in terms of it being hyped, it's not hyped. It's it, it's a brutal matchup. As you hey, at least Charlie. me and Brianna and Bob and Bobby get to go to this game for free. So. <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, good I mean, for you'll, you. you'll, you'll get to hear some good Bob Aaron stories. In I there. wouldn't go to this game if I had and to maybe pay they'll for do it. the Giants food spread in the media. No, it's instead a Jets of home, ge- it's oh, a Jets it's a Jets home, home game. game. All right, so yeah. you're getting worse food too. Okay. I will say this. <laughs> I will say this for the Monday night game against the Pats. Food was not that bad. Food was not that bad. What was it? It was like mac and cheese. We're not saying it's bad. Mac and cheese. The Giants are just higher class. Can't can't. They can't build a higher class roster, but they're higher class. This is going off the rails a little bit, but Bob. This is going off the rails a little bit, but Bob wants to go early because there's like omelets or something. Oh, he calls it the special breakfast. (laughs) Yeah, the special. He he calls it the special breakfast every time he talks to me. So he's he's like obsessed about getting there for the omelets. Yeah, it's not the end of the world if we miss it. But I'd love to be there. It seemed like it was the end of the world last time because he was a little disappointed. I was 15 minutes after the fact. Asked for the omelet, they turned me down. Bob already had his omelet, picked away at it for a couple hours, but. (laughs) Hey, look! Back <laughs> these the are the game. little these are the little things that matter now because the game doesn't mean anything. Back, back to the game. Do I we mean, really have to go back to the game? We really don't. Uh, we do. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Williams playing in his first game uh, against the Jets, only two weeks after being traded. 
Uh, that'll be interesting, I guess. A, a, a cool storyline. I, I can't wait till he almost sacks Sam Darnold three times and uh, but Twitter just explodes. About my fear is he's going to do something yeah. and then think he's important. That's the problem. He's probably going to pick up a couple sacks because the Jets' offensive line could be playing for my high school team right now and still not protecting the quarterback. Leonard Williams bursts through that line, gets a couple sacks, and thinks he's worthy of attention. And that's what's going to happen. Hey, well, if, if Dave Gettleman watches this game and thinks that, then lock him up. Giants fans are going to be having regrets over this one because the, he's not worthy of a, of a huge deal that he's going to get, honestly. If no. he sacks Sam Darnold three times, he will get a Bobby Bonilla deal. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> he will be a Giant for life and then be paid double his career. Le'Veon Bell questionable, but looking like he's going to play. Uh, Just I, rest him, honestly. I, I don't think there's any reason to play him. It's the same goes for, honestly, anyone because this offensive line is a disgrace. Adam Gase is even more of a disgrace. And the, the offense is equally unprepared each and every week they go so out. So I want to go into a little bit of the Jets, then a little bit of the Giants, and then we'll talk about what we think is going to happen. No score prediction, but who do you think will have a bigger game? But uh, Adam Gase, 1-7, coming off... <laughs> Probably one of the worst losses in franchise history. Uh, he didn't have any answers for the media after that game last week. I I mean, it's obviously he should be fired at the end of the season. I'm just hoping Joe Douglas doesn't do the wrong thing here and think, oh, we're, we're friends. He has you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of this and that. We'll give him one more year. He better be fired at the end of the I season. I think that what this comes down to is the organizational structure was so messed up this offseason in a sense that Look, if the Jets had succeeded this year, if they had gone 9-7, and seven, taking a step forward with Darnold, we wouldn't be talking about it in this fashion. But if it failed, this organizational structure was not built to get the Jets through. Christopher Johnson was in over his head, let Mike McCagnan do all his bidding, let him undertake one of the biggest off-seasons in franchise history, a top three pick, all that cap space. Sam Darnold, a potential franchise quarterback, a head coaching hire, does all that, then gets fired... They let Adam Gase basically take over the organization. His buddy gets into office now. Christopher Johnson doesn't know what he's doing, and Joe Douglas is Adam Gase's buddy, and Adam Gase doesn't know what he's doing. So essentially, no one knows what they're doing now, and no one can step in and fire anyone. So, so, so this guy doesn't know what he's doing. That guy doesn't know what he's and doing. And they're all friends with each other. It's, so I don't think the Jets are in a position right now where they can make any positive change. And Adam Gase should have been fired like five days ago. But it's gotten to a point where the Jets are so inept that if you make these switches, you're almost admitting failure right off the bat, and you have to make like five switches in Sam Darnold's first like two and a half years as quarterback. That's why I don't think he was fired five days ago. Because right, you want to you want to see what Sam could do with with some consistency. If Gase isn't fired by the end of the year or at the end of the year, it's a real huge indictment on Joe Douglas as a general manager. You just have to look at. This season to know what Adam Gase is, he's one and eleven in his last twelve games. The Jets have eight offensive touchdowns, pretty much all year. Actually, it might be less than that. I, I might be mixing up my. I think Gase has eight offensive touchdowns in his last ten games. For a so-called offensive guru, that's pathetic. And you look at the way he is as a leader. I mean, people thought that this is a guy who would come in and command respect, and he's done the exact opposite of this. I don't know why we thought that. In, instead, he's come in, he's rattled our franchise quarterback, he's also created a terrible relationship with the leader of the defense, and the one guy who he can really look up to as a leader on this team in Jamal Adams, who 
said today that they mended the relationship with Joe Douglas and Adam Gay. So I, I guess that's a positive at this point. I don't buy that for a second. I don't either. But Get rid I, of him, too. Get rid of Adams. <laughs> I listen, Thinks I, it's I all about himself. Puts himself in front of the team at every turn with these public comments. Okay. You may well, think he's trying to here. proclaim himself the captain, the pres, and he cares about getting the Jets a Super Bowl. Really what it's about is him. And he's, he's an above-average safety. That's all he is. He hasn't done anything in his career, and he expects to be compared to Tom Brady, Aaron Donald. He's what's wrong with the Jets organization, too. There is nothing oh, right stop. here. Enough with the press. Come Get on. him out of here. Come I want on. a second-round pick, and the Cowboys can have him. We should have traded him second at the deadline. Round. I want a first-round pick. Dude, you get an offended dude, by a dude. GM picking up the phone. That is his job to pick up the phone. It's not like he was actively shopping him. It's not like he was saying, here, you can have Jamal Adams. It's not like he was disrespecting him. Jamal Adams is so sensitive he heard that Joe Douglas picked up the phone, answered a phone call, and then went on a riot against his own GM and head coach. That is ridiculous. Get that guy out of the locker room. We don't need guys like that going forward. Get him out of here. No, I, I, I can't agree with that. And you don't build around safeties. And he's the only like top draft pick that's worked out for the Jets in the last 10 years. And he happens to be a safety, but, a position you cannot build around. Sam Darnold could be the best out of that group. But hopefully, well, we don't know. But, yeah. but here's my thing. E-Man, saying that, Jamal Adams is everything that's wrong with the Jets, I think, is way off. No accountability. Here. That's what's wrong no with accountability. the Jets. He has no accountability. He seems to be the only guy that commands accountability. He's the only guy that you look out there and is seemingly wearing his heart on his sleeve every time he goes out there. Every time, every post game. Man, I just want to win. I just want to. It's not we don't. We just want to win. It's all about him and his goals. You're really gonna say I over we as like a that that that's why you won't want this guy in the organization. I'm just telling you, don't take it at face value. You're not inside that. So he's lying room. to everyone, is what yeah, you're saying? Exactly. It, it, he's totally lying. It's about him. That's a pretty outrageous claim to make. It's not an outrageous claim to make. The guy's a safety on the New York Jets who has proven nothing, nothing. So how am I to believe what he's saying? He's a safety on the New York Jets and not an elite safety, a good safety. How does that command my full trust? We could talk about the Jets all day, but we also, I know we're all Jets fans here, but we got to talk about the Giants a little bit. I mean, Dave Gettleman coming into the season, everything was about Daniel Jones and how he was going to be the savior of the franchise um, and be, and be uh, I guess, the new franchise quarterback. He has a couple of other first-round picks. But Dave Gettleman has done a terrible job with the Jets. I'm not, I'm not the Jets, the Giants. I mean, they they draft DeAndre Baker, who's who's picked apart by the Cowboys last week. Dexter Lawrence hasn't really made an impact, and Daniel Jones, after that one game against the, against the Buccaneers, hasn't really done much of anything at all. To, to be fair to Jones, he was great against the Lions. He had four touchdown performance, 300 yards in the air. There's a defense that lost in the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was absolutely. I mean, you look to last week against the Cowboys. I mean. He really only had one good drive, and there were plenty of mistakes. I think the Giants are on the right track in terms of direction. I'm not sure they have the personnel here right now to win soon. The Leonard Williams trade, Leonard Williams, excuse me, the Leonard Williams trade made zero sense to me at face value. I mean, why are you trading for a guy? Why are you trading a fourth rounder, no less, when you say to be rebuilding for a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year? And a guy you can just sign in free agency because you look at the Jets, the Jets weren't going to re-sign this guy in Leonard Williams. They were going to let him go. And he was going to be free agent. Why would you not wait till the offseason to sign him? Instead, you trade a fourth-round pick. And picks in the NFL are very valuable, as people know. 
for a guy you could have had in the offseason. It, it really doesn't make a whole lot Trade of sense. Trade made no me. sense. It, it didn't. It was it, a gift to the Jets who don't really deserve any gifts right now, but mm-hmm. you're, you're giving them draft picks. It was actually a third and a fifth. I was saying a fourth. It was a third and a fifth, even worse than it, I was expecting. It is expecting. good value for a guy who has not produced for the Jets, has not really produced for the Giants since coming over there, and a guy, as you mentioned, who all it takes is simply opening the wallet in the offseason a stock that's quickly depreciating. You probably wouldn't have even had to pay as much as you would have thought in the offseason to retain his services. And now you gave away value and you're going to pay him. So you gave away two valuable assets to the organization. But don't worry, he almost sacked Dak Prescott. He almost sacked Dak Prescott. And a probably sacked Sam Darnold three times in a meaningless game this weekend. That's actually going to hurt the Giants. Because if they win, if they win, they're falling behind the Jets even further. They're two games behind the Jets in draft order, so they're not helping their organization whatsoever by getting Leonard Williams in that trade and him helping them against their cross-down foe. Before we wrap it up and do our pick segment, who do you think has a bigger game? Darnold and Bell or Jones and Saquon? Jones and Barkley. Uh, absolutely, without They don't a use doubt. Bell. They don't use Bell. It's <laughs> a, it's a, it's Jackson a disc- was saying arrest him. It's a disgrace. They don't a use disgrace him. The way. He had only 66 rushing rushing yards last week against the Dolphins defense. And granted, it's, a, it's over a putrid offensive line. He has nowhere to go. Bell has done a miraculous job even picking up yards this season, but they don't use him in the passing yeah. game. That, that's the biggest problem with the Jets' offense. But it helps Darnold. You have a guy in Le'Veon Bell who made a living with Pittsburgh, and John knows this of anyone. He's the best catching back in Almost league. in NFL history, honestly. I think there's a legitimate argument to make that. You look at the track record in his career with Pittsburgh, he's one of the best catching backs I've ever seen. And they haven't even used him in that area whatsoever. I mean, he's a guy you can put him out in the flat. You can put him in the slot against a linebacker and force mismatches there. You can use him in the screen game. You can use him downfield as well. You can use him on a wing route down the far sideline. But why haven't they even broached the idea of using that? And, and, and Adam Gase should be arrested for what, for what he said. I completely agree. He should be arrested. Five-year sentence. For, <laughs> for, for the stuff he's doing to Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell in this Jets offense. And with the limited time that Sam Darnold has in the pocket on seemingly every play, you'd think Adam Gase, the offensive guru, the quarterback whisperer, would look at this entire situation and say, if I let the ball out quicker, wouldn't it help our offense? Lo and behold... Le'Veon Bell, one of the best pass catchers out of the backfield in NFL history, who you can check down to and you don't use him. This guy has proven clueless. He hasn't done anything that you think is an in-game adjustment that's right in front of you, and now it's turned into a season-long adjustment that he has not facilitated. It is beyond an outcry. I I don't know what to say. I'm lost for words on Adam Gaze at this point. If the Jets win another game this season, I think it might be uh, like a miracle. I don't even. How would they beat the Cowboys? I don't even think they beat the. The, the thing o- is, I don't think they beat the 0-8 Bengals. They got the Bengals and the Dolphins. Again. I don't think they beat them. I, I hope they don't. I hope they go one of fifteen. Adam Gase pick. gets sent to the moon. You, you trade back. Here's the thing: if you had the number one pick, you taking a quarterback. Like I don't, no. I don't, I don't know where to. Like, I don't know where to go. Chase Young. Ohio I, w- I wouldn't hate having Chase Young. And by the way, what the NCAA did to him, and I know I'm getting off track, is an absolute disgrace. And I, I've said that word way too much on this show today, but the way the NCAA is handling Chase Young has been nothing short of embarrassing to the entire— Talk to Jimmy and you can go on the college grid on oh, the podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's terrible. That'll do it for our Justin Giants segment. Uh, one more hit with John, and then we'll wrap it up with the Pick'em segment. John? Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. 
Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Ryan Tannehill has been a solid starter since taking over as the Titans' starting QB, scoring at least 19 points in each of his first three full starts. He and the Titans will host a Kansas City defense in the bottom third in the league in allowing fantasy points to quarterbacks. Tannehill is a more than adequate bi-week fill-in if he can keep up this kind of production in a game that might see the Titans playing from behind and throwing a lot. The Lions are still working through finding a suitable replacement for on Johnson. The best bet to break through Detroit's committee is Ty Johnson, who handled 62% of the team's snaps at running back. His, back failed, his backfield mate, J.D. McKissick, may have been the one in the end zone last week, but a more consistent workload and a matchup against a surprisingly below average Bears run defense makes Johnson the more reliable play. And with Amari Cooper potentially limited by a knee injury, Michael Gallup stands to take on a bigger role for the Cowboys in this week's matchup with Minnesota, a defense that ranks in the bottom third in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers and has allowed big performances from number two wideouts multiple times through the season. And those are some sleepers that could put you over the edge for this week. All right. Before we go into that, and I know I have J.D. McKissick. I actually have a lot of people on bye this week, uh, John. Yeah, brutal week for bye so weeks. So I'm, I'm forced to start J.D. McKissick this week. So hopefully he gets in the end zone again. Yeah, those committees are tough, but yeah, you never know. All right, let's get right into it. The Pick'em segment for week 10. This week's NFL picks. Who is that guy? <laughs> Greg Caserta. I don't know who it is, but it's a, it's a it, fun It is Greg Caserta? Fordham, class of 2010, I believe. But it sounds very uninspired. It sounds like he, he was forced by Bob Aarons to say that. We need a little more passion in that. Come on now. This week's NFL picks. Jets and Giants this week. Here we go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the Giants. I said in my report, I think that they become the Jets become the true losers of New York. The epitome of brutality is the New York Jets, as John Rothstein would say. Let's go with the Giants. Yeah, I'll go with the Giants as well. Just a bit more competent. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think the Giants have disappointed at every turn this year, and Dave Gettleman falls flat on his face again. Give me the gang green. The Jets. Oh, my God. I hope you're right. I mean, we're all Jets fans. but I hope he, I hope he's wrong. I, I hope the Giants win. I mean, I don't want to hear my Giants fans' friends like Justin. Oh, who cares? Me. Who cares? It's like the Subway Series. All right, another uh, AFC, NFC South matchup. The Saints take on the 1-7 Falcons. Uh, you got to go easy here in the Saints. I think Matt Schwab's playing again. I don't know. The Schwabby. I think Ryan's supposed to play. But Is I'm he? Sure. Okay. So, I mean, either way, it's still New Orleans. Yeah, I agree. Atlanta it doesn't matter. Sucks. Unanimous New Orleans. Tennessee and Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes back. That should be a big lift, so I'm going to go with Mahomes and the Chiefs. Mahomes back. Chiefs back, even though they never really left to go with KC. Yeah, I'll go with KC as well. Easy KC here. Well, it should be a lot of sweeps this week considering there are a lot of buys and just a lot of easy matchups like this one too. Baltimore and Cincinnati, 0-8 Bengals, going to go to 0-9, and I think Lamar Jackson runs all over them. This game will be closer than people will think, but I'm going with the Ravens. Yeah, uh, they played close earlier yep. in their matchup this mm -hmm. year, but could be a trap game for Baltimore coming off a big win, but I still think they'll squeak it out. Ravens across the board. Cleveland and Buffalo. Buffalo. Playing well against mediocre teams. Can't seem to beat the good teams. Cleveland is a mediocre team. Um, Cleveland might be home. It might be a trap game, but I'm still going to roll with Buffalo. I'm going with Cleveland. I'm not a believer in the Bills offensively. They were got their doors blown off by Philly two weeks ago. Came back and beat the Bengals last week, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Cleveland in this one. I, I think they'll finally get something right offensively. 
I mentioned in the fantasy hits, but I caught a bit of Cleveland Browns game last week against uh, Denver. Couldn't believe how that oh, defense played. So terrible. They just quit. They were jogging yeah. around on defense. I think it's going to make it actually a pretty easy victory for the Bills, despite being road underdogs, which I don't think Cleveland should be favored against anybody. How about Buffalo going to 7-2 and two on the season? Give me Buffalo. That's Tampa Bay and Arizona. Tampa Bay. I mean, they, they're, they're in games all year. They're playing well. Jameis Winston, very inconsistent. Uh, the defense has shown up with Todd Bowles. I'm going to roll with them this week. I think they get back on the win column. This is the week I finally pick against famous Jameis. I've been believing in him a little too much. I'm going with Kyler Murray in Arizona, who actually gave San Francisco a game on Thursday night last week on the long bye. I'm going with you, Jackson. I'm in line with your thinking. Give me the Cardinals. And it should actually be a fun, high-scoring game, yeah. despite two teams below 500. But I'll take the home team, Tampa. All right, Chicago and Detroit. Chicago 3-5. and five. Mitchell Trubisky has been absolutely awful this year. Uh, I think Detroit goes into Chicago and, and wins. I think the, the Bears go up to 3-6. and six. The most disappointing member of the Bears organization is not Trubisky. It's Matt Nagy. I think he's had a really disappointing second year with the Bears. I'm going with Detroit, who has actually impressed me every time I've seen them this year. Yeah, remember when Nagy was coach of the year? Yeah. What was that? Can they, can they take that back retroactively? I'm going to go with Detroit as well. He's been depressing. It's like really yeah. sad to watch. I'm going with Detroit, but I will point out, Evan Janikin, our producer, initially had Chicago. He just changed the pick. I think we persuaded him. So he's he's trying to alibi it right now, but he's going Detroit as well. He says it's a mistake. I don't Do know better. if it's a mistake. Um, it, it was, it's not final. Like We're still doing the show, so I'm going to give Evan a pass here. Otherwise, I would say yes, to stick with Chicago. Alibi. Uh, but if he wins this year, I mean, he's only 19-10, so he's not going to win. <laughs> but if he did win this year, uh, I'd say that's fraudulent. It's an asterisk if he yeah. wins. Indianapolis, his Indianapolis Colts against the now 1-7 and seven Miami Dolphins. Jacoby Brissett, a game-time decision. But, I mean, if the Colts lose this game, it's a disgrace. So, give me the Colts. I'm low-key feeling the Fitz magic, and I just want to pick against the Colts just to see Evan's reaction. I'm picking the Dolphins. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Is, is that serious? That is serious. Okay. I'm picking the Fitz magic. That's bold. I think Indy Open has like 10, 11 point favorites as this game, which seems like way too I don't way think Brissett's going to play also. I, I think they're going to be cautious with Brissett. Hoyer looked like pretty decent last week. T.Y. Hilton also doubtful. Hoyer's a scrub. He's setting up for an upset. I don't know yeah. if you guys. I don't think they cut I don't know if you guys heard T.Y. Hilton doubtful, but Evan said he's probably not going to play either. So yeah. No Brissett, no T.Y. Hilton. Give me the Fitz magic. I'll give you Indy, <laughs> but I will say as long as the Dolphins play Fitzpatrick, they are going to spoil their chances at the number one pick. They are winning at least two more games the remainder of this year. And Gre this will be one of them. Green Not Bay sure and that. Carolina. Aaron Rodgers against Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'm going to roll with Green Bay here. Rough loss for Green Bay last week. Bit of a wake-up call. I'm going with the Packers. I'm going to go with the upset here and go with Carolina on the road. Green Bay just got manhandled last week at the line of scrimmage, and they could have the same problems this week because the Panthers actually have one of the best yeah. pass rushes. In also, the to note, big news of the week Cam Newton on IR, so Kyle Allen the rest of the year. I like Green Bay coming off the rough week. I think they'll be primed for a bounce back. Pittsburgh and LA, Rams, that is, because the Chargers played last night. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh, again, one, two in a row, but I'm going to go roll with the Rams here. I think I'm going to roll with Pittsburgh at home. At Heinz Field, the Rams have been one of the more disappointing teams for me in the league, and I'm not a huge believer in Sean McVay at this point after a great well, year one. I think he's a great coach. I'm not sold he's the best in the NFL right now because I, I think there are some serious problems with the Rams' offense. I'm going with Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, I hate that the Steelers here have been playing pretty well, but to catch LA off a bye, I think they That's really true. needed that bye to kind of get their roster together, figure some things out. I think we'll see a, a new and improved LA team this week, and we're going to kind of see them, what we saw last year, I think will take hold uh, as the season goes on, starting this week in Pittsburgh. I'm with John. Give me the Rams. Sunday night football, Dallas against Minnesota. Kirk Cousins never seemingly able to show up on big-time games. Um, I mean, Dallas looked good last week against the Giants. So I think Dallas comes out and wins this game. What is this, the eighth primetime game for the Cowboys this year? Yeah, like it is enough. every year. But I like Minnesota. I think their run game is really going to shred Dallas apart. They've had trouble against the run pretty much all year. And Kirk Cousins has started to figure some things out with Stephon Diggs. I like Minnesota. Yeah, you guys said it. Minnesota probably is one of the best up-and-down rosters in the entire league. But mm -hmm. it comes down to Cousins. Like you said, can't win these type of games. I'll go with Dallas at home. It is a tough one. I, I like Minnesota, though. Give me, give me the Vikings. It's just a gut feel. It's a coin toss. And last but not least, the game of the week, undefeated San Francisco 49ers against the 7-2 Seattle Seahawks. I mean, the 49ers generally just have the edge because they're the home team. But I'm going to roll with Seattle. I think they come in and end Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers' undefeated streak. I think. Also, before you give your pick, George Kittle may not play either. That's interesting to note for sure, but I think San Francisco's pass rush is going to give Russell Wilson some trouble that I don't think he's seen this year. I like San Francisco. I like them remaining undefeated. Yeah, despite the 49ers defense being one of the best this year, you could surprisingly kind of run the ball on them. Yeah. That's what I would anticipate Seattle is going to do. I think they could get the win on the road, which should be a, a really, really good game. Like I said, if... Seattle wins this becomes a heck of a race in that NFC West and I like Seattle 49ers are due for a loss give me the Seahawks and then it's gonna get very interesting with the 49ers upcoming schedule that'll do it for our week 10 edition of NFL Friday Charlie Mizano alongside Emmanuel Barari, Jackson Heil, John DeBarra with the fantasy hits Evan Janikin our producer in the back two shadows uh, Sloan Covington and Cole James Ostrom once again one-on-one -on -one is production one-on-one's NFL Friday, excuse me, is a production of WFUB Sports. Have a good weekend, everybody.